Welcome to Non-Toxic Pursuits, a show for chemically conscious babes to learn from experts and peers about non-toxic lifestyle and holistic wellness topics. I'm Laura, your host and founder of laurasnaturallife.com. I'm a holistic healthcare consultant, green beauty enthusiast, and green smoothie lover. Now on to the show. Hello, 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 friends. And in today's episode, I wanted to share some tips for chemically sensitive, mold sensitive, environmentally sensitive of any kind for traveling. This is a question I get asked about a lot, even from people who aren't super sensitive, but have a really clean lifestyle and go on a plane and realize, whoa, these chemicals are really bothering me. So if you guys are not familiar with what chemical sensitivity is, the technical term is that you it is somebody who has an unusually severe sensitivity or allergy-like reaction to many different kinds of pollutants, including solvents, VOCs, perfumes, diesel, smoke in general, and often has other sorts of allergens as well that may be pollen, indoor allergens, dander, fur, etc. And this is a chronic condition. It's not a one-time experience. The same symptoms are produced with repeated exposure to the same trigger. The patients are usually affected by different chemical triggers. And a lot of times I find that and I've actually read in multiple books by multiple doctors that chemical sensitivity is a byproduct of mold exposure, which makes a ton of sense to me. So usually mold and chemical sensitivities do go hand in hand, but not always. Sometimes people who are sensitive to chemicals don't know that they're sensitive to mold or don't realize they're sensitive to mold or maybe don't have a reaction to water-damaged buildings like someone who knows that they are sensitive to mold is, but a lot of times they do go hand in hand. So my tips are going to encompass both chemical and mold sensitivities for traveling. So if you guys don't know me or my story yet, you can probably guess that I have both of these sensitivities and mine is definitely triggered from mold exposure and having the mold gene. I have a video on mold illness and all of that on my YouTube channel. If you want to learn more about it, it's really important to learn about if you do have any sort of chemical triggers or your home has made you sick, things like that. I also have a podcast on that if you think that your home might be making you sick, but on to my tips for traveling. So whether you are sensitive or you just want to stay in the cleanest place possible because you've cleaned out your home and you've realized that chemicals do trigger even just like a headache, here are some tips that you can take because I find that all too often it becomes really hard to travel when you have sensitivities and it just makes me sad to have those of us have smaller worlds when we love traveling and it's just kind of difficult. So the one thing that I do tend to steer clear of are humid destinations. So my family takes a yearly trip to the Caribbean, which I love, but in recent years, I have not attempted to go with them just because 
of it's so hard to control mold in indoor environments when a resort is in a humid climate because you can't control what the residents are doing or the guests are doing. You can't control if they're leaving the door open 24-7 because they like the ocean breeze. So that's kind of the one thing I steer clear of, although I'd like to get back to doing that someday. It's just kind of the one thing that does scare me because if I have an issue there, it's not like easy to find a different place or easy to fly home or anything like that. So I typically gravitate towards places that I know are either I have a safe place to stay if it is in a humid climate or are drier climates because typically drier climates are not going to have as much indoor mold growth, although that's not always always the case, but it's a little bit of a safer bet in my opinion. So the first thing that I do is I obviously pick a destination and then I pretty much research all of the hotels, you know, in the price range, everything that you do normally, like make a list of hotels that look good to you in your price range near the location that you like. And then I call every single one individually. And I ask the person who answers the phone. And a lot of times the person who answers the phone does not know this information and they will have to get somebody who is in charge of building maintenance or management So I always ask, how old is the building? Not the hotel, the building. Because a lot of times hotels move into a space where a hotel used to be that's older than that. Or a lot of times you can get like a full history this way. So they'll say like, oh, well, we moved in in 2010, but I don't know how old, you know, the previous hotel was. Or we moved in in 1998 and we remodeled in 2005. So you can get some good stats on that. Typically, I feel most comfortable with a hotel that is one to five years old. I find that if they're brand new, not always, but if they're brand new, a lot of times they don't have windows that crack open anymore. And so they're they're really not getting a great chance to off gas because they're still so new. And then there's a lot stronger of building material type, type chemicals in the room. Again, just my experience you may have a different set of sensitivities and may find that that's still too new for you or whatever, because we're all different. And it's kind of a, you have to be your own health investigator and find what works best for you. So once I get that information, a lot of times I can rule out some places, right? So then I've whittled down my list a little bit. Then I go on tripadvisor.com and I look up not only the reviews, Because a lot of times the reviews are about things other than what the hotel looks like or smells like or if there's mold or chemicals. Usually those aren't going to be in the reviews, but sometimes people will list mold. I look at the traveler photos. I don't look at the professional photos because those always look good. I look at the traveler photos and I always usually start with bathroom photos because you can get a good idea of what a room is like from how well-maintained the bathroom is. If it looks like the bathroom has mold in the showers or around the base of the toilet, people are going to post pictures of that. So then I can whittle down my list even further and usually settle on one that I think seems the best based off of what I know about the age of the building, what the photos are saying, and what the reviews are saying. This is kind of a time intensive process. I'm not going to lie. So 
once I find a place that works, if it's a location that I want to visit again, I keep that in mind because I know that place worked for me and I'm going to want to stay there again instead of going through all of this crap. So we go to Chicago. Well, now that we're parents, not as much, but before we were parents, we would go usually two to three times a year. And I have one hotel that I particularly love to stay at there. And I know is a safe, healthy place for me. And I never have any sensitivities to it, except for in the lobby. A lot of times the lobbies of nice hotels will have an air freshener or something like that in there. And usually those aren't going to be in the room. Aside from that, when you book your hotel room, you can call ahead or you can write, but I find it's usually well better received. I like you get a better result if you call ahead and say, hey, I'd love for my room to be cleaned. Um, a lot of times you aren't going to have say in what they clean it with, but I'd love for my room to have a unscented laundry detergent, you can always bring your own sheets too, your own sheets or your pillow and your pillowcases so that you know your laundry detergent is going to be unscented. But you can say things like that. Like, can you make sure the room is aired out for a little bit after it's cleaned or whatever? Depending on the hotel, they may do what you request. They may not, but I feel like it never hurts to ask as long as you're asking politely and you're not being like super rude about it because they want you to have a good stay. So once you have your hotel picked out, hopefully everything will go well, but here's a couple things that I would suggest bringing along with you to have for the room or just in case. So first thing just in case is a backup hotel recommendation to have in the back of your mind just in case something doesn't work out. This has happened to me once. And it was actually when we were in California last year and it ended up being a blessing in disguise because if that hotel had been fine and we wouldn't have had to move, we would have ended up at a different hospital than where Elliot was born and well taken care of. So I don't think that was necessarily like a research fluke. I think that was just a, it was meant to be kind of a thing, but it doesn't hurt to, to remember your second choice just in case you need to switch. But a couple of things that you can do is one, make sure that you crack the windows if they are openable. A lot of brand new hotels, like I mentioned, have windows that are totally sealed now and don't allow you to crack them. But if you can crack them, I would definitely suggest doing that. Another thing I would, su would suggest is bringing along some essential oils of your choice. So I usually bring thieves lavender and peppermint when I travel, uh, just to save on space. Those are just the three I grab because lavender helps me sleep peppermint. If I have a migraine while I'm on the trip anyway, so those are kind of double duty and then thieves, if the room smells a little bit musty or whatever, but I will use any of those, especially cause they're stronger essential oils. So typically what I'll do is I won't worry about bringing a diffuser or anything. I'll just take a piece of Kleenex from the room and fold it in fourths and then put like four or five drops on it and place that in the room just to freshen up the air, help to, you know, mitigate any, if there are some sort of musty smells or possible mold spores in the air. It, obviously, I'm not going to stay in the room if it's bad. You can always ask to try a different room always. I have definitely done that. Go down to the front desk and say, hey, this room 
smells really bad when I turn on the heat or this room seems moldy. This room seems like it smells really strong of cleaning products. Can I see what another room is like? You can absolutely do that too. So I would do that before you get too settled if you feel like you need to, because obviously you don't want them to have to clean a room again. So your essential oils, and you can use any of them. You don't have to use thieves. Sometimes I use peppermint. Sometimes I use the lavender or the thieves, just depending on what I feel like and what the room smells like. You can just leave that in your room while you go do your sightseeing, go to your conference, whatever it is that you're doing. And I know it seems like four drops on a piece of Kleenex is not going to make a huge difference, but it really does because the rooms are usually so small that it really fills up the room nicely and helps to... Uh, clean up the air quality a little bit. And another suggestion that I have is to bring a portable air purifier if you have one. I actually don't do this because I think I would feel like I'd need to change the filter every time if it was the purifier from my house. But if I had one specifically for travel that was small and compact, I would probably bring that. However, I don't know of any reputable carbon filters, air filters that are portable like that. I know that there are some for cars that you could bring along, but I think they all require a cigarette lighter of the ones I've looked at. If you guys know of one, please let me know so I can recommend it to people. Another one that I've been looking into getting specifically for travel is a propolis diffuser. So basically it's a diffuser that diffuses the propolis from beeswax and beeswax, I believe you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it creates negative ions, which help to like neutralize spores or chemical particles or something, chemical gases or particles in the air and like drop them out of the air to the ground so they can be easily vacuumed up. Again, I haven't tried this, but I have been looking into them pretty much for that purpose. I don't know if they smell like beeswax. I kind of assume that they would. So if the smell of beeswax bothers you, that probably would not be an option for you, but I will leave a link below to the one that I have been looking at for you to do your own research. And then lastly, I would recommend bringing along anything that you need should you have a reaction. So I always bring along extra binders, supplement binders, and There are actually masks for chemically sensitive people. If you're super sensitive, you don't want to deal with it. There are masks that you can bring along on the plane. I find the plane is usually the worst because you can't control who you're sitting next to. Probably 85% of the people on that plane are wearing different types of cologne or strong laundry detergents, strong deodorants. The plane is pretty much the worst for me. So I always make sure to have extra toxin binders for when I am on the plane. And then hopefully lots of fresh air once I reach my destination. And obviously you're going to want to bring your own toiletries. And another thing that you can do when you get to the room is you can take a wash rag with just hot water and clean off any surfaces that may have strong chemical cleaner residue on them, like the side tables or the bathroom countertops. And then I always like to use a thieves spray on the remotes if I'm going to be watching TV because I know those are like the most disgusting things in a hotel. So anyways, I hope that my tips have helped you out. If you are someone who is sensitive and you have a hard time traveling 
If you have other tips that I didn't mention, please let me know because I'd love to share them with other people who have these sensitivities. And if you know anybody who this episode may help, please, please share it with them. Thank you guys so much for listening as always. And if you guys love this podcast and Laura's Natural Life, there are a couple of ways that you can support the show. One is to leave a rating and review in iTunes. Two is to share my work with your friends, your social media acquaintances. And the third way is to join my live monthly girl gang hang that I have over on Patreon. It's a super fun time where I answer any questions that have come up from you guys about non-toxic living throughout the month. And then it's not only just me, we all have a big group discussion and it's just a really fun way to meet some other girls who have the same interests as you if you don't have friends who are into non-toxic living in your real life. So that is all for today's show. Thanks again and I will chat at you guys in the next one.